Before we get started, uh, let me just say a word to all of us in London and all of our other churches. Uh, next weekend, I'm kicking off a brand new series that I hope you'll be here for. It's called Letters to the Next Generation. And uh, we solicited some advice and some feedback from uh, folks of an older generation, both inside of our church and outside of our church. And uh, I've been taking that information and trying to just uh, reduce it down uh, to three or four four weeks of some valuable advice uh, for all of us. So next week, we're kicking off that series, and I hope you'll be here for that. It would also be a great opportunity uh, for you to invite someone to be your guest. And then also, one other thing, in Williamsburg this morning, uh, they are wrapping up uh, Revolution Weekend. We had Revolution Weekend here in London a few weeks ago, but they're wrapping up Revolution Weekend this morning in Williamsburg, and they've had four students make decisions this week to follow Jesus. So can we put our hands together? everywhere and celebrate that fact. And we're glad to see you all over there in that left section down in Williamsburg uh, this morning. Now, uh, today we're wrapping up our series and for the past few weeks we've been talking about how maturity is a choice. Uh, it's a choice that no one can make for us. Um, you can't ask your husband to make it for you or your wife to make it for you or your best friend to make it for you. We alone, I alone get to choose whether or not I grow up. Uh, now there's a lot of factors in if I grow older or not and I don't have a lot of control about that but I alone get to choose whether or not I grow up as I grow older and not everybody decides to make that particular choice uh, because the choice to mature, the choice uh, to embrace maturity, uh, it, it's not an easy one and it's not a one and done one. It's not like at the end of today, you know, I'm going to ask you, hey, will you commit, you know, your life and make a decision for maturity? It's not like it's a once, you know, a once upon a time decision. It's a decision that you have to make over and over and over again. You have to decide, hey, I'm going to pursue maturity. I'm going to be mature. I'm going to be mature in my thinking. I'm going to be mature in my behavior. I'm going to be, be mature in my reactions and my actions and my emotions and my relationships and my perspective. And, and of course, as Jesus followers in our faith, and, and that's a choice we have to make every single day. And oftentimes, maybe even multiple times in a single day based on the situation that we find ourselves in. But here's the good news. Whenever we choose maturity, whenever we choose to move in the direction of being mature, we are making a choice for progress because maturity is always moving us forward. It's also making a choice for something better and it's making the choice for something healthier. So the reason that you should consider choosing maturity every single day of your life and maybe multiple times for the rest of your life every single day is because it's moving you in a direction of progress. It's moving me in a direction of being healthier and being better. And at the end of the day, don't we all want to be healthier and don't we all want to be better and don't we all want to experience progress? Well, of course we do. And what we've been talking about is that just begins with a choice. It begins with choosing maturity over and over and over again. Because if we do not choose maturity, we inevitably get stuck. And that's what immaturity is. We, we've been talking about this. It's when someone gets stuck somewhere along the way, oftentimes somewhere in their childhood, somewhere in their adolescence, uh, somewhere maybe in late high school or early college or in their early 20s or early 30s. It's when someone gets stuck in an earlier season of life and they carry something you know, that, that they picked up in that season that's unhealthy. They carry it with them into the next season of life. Uh, some people, they get stuck in how they see themselves. 
they adopted a self-view back, you know, in middle school or high school or college because some people said some things about them or the way that people treated them or the way that things were at home. And they adopted a self-view all the way back in that season of life that they have carried on into their adult years. And it's been a liability, not an asset. Uh, some people, you know, when they're very young in life, they develop a chip on their shoulder. And it's a chip on their shoulder that they carry on into the adult years of their life that doesn't make their life better. It doesn't make their life healthier. Some people early in life develop insecurities or inferiority complexes that they carry with them for the rest of their life. Some people on the other side pick up, you know, you know a sense of arrogance or pride or self-centeredness early in life that they carry with them for the rest of their life. Some people get stuck in the way that they manage their relationships or the way they engage with people they're in relationship with. They, they treat people as adults the way they treat people in middle school or high school or when they were early 20s, and they carry that with them on into the rest of their life. That's why immaturity makes our life harder. It makes our life unhealthy. It, it makes our life more difficult than it has to be. So we've been talking about maturity, and I thought, I thought that, you know, as we end this series, it would be good for us to have some working definitions of maturity. So I collected a bunch when I first started researching this series back uh, weeks and weeks ago, and I thought, okay, I'm just going to borrow a bunch of definitions, and sooner or later, I'm, I'm just going to give them to everybody. And so I thought, well, this is the last week, and this is the only opportunity I have. Uh, so I, I'm going to give us some working definitions of maturity that's going to set up uh, what we're going to talk about today. So I'm just going to give these to you pretty quickly. Uh, you can always go to the app, uh, and all the notes are there, and you can follow along in real time on our app if you if you have it on your phone. But but here's some ideas about what maturity actually what it actually looks like. Maturity is when you live your life by your commitments, not by your feelings. I think that's pretty good. It's when you realize that your commitments are more important than your feelings because sometimes you don't feel like staying committed. You don't feel like being committed, but you've made a commitment and your commitment trumps your feelings. We live in a culture where people just go with their feelings and to heck with the commitment. Uh, because my feelings matter more than my commitment. I'm going to go with my feelings and I'm going to abandon or forsake or break my commitment even though, even though it's more important than my feelings. I'm going to go with my feelings rather than my commitment. Maturity, a mature person, a mature man, a mature woman, a mature young person, they realize that even when I don't want to do this, I should do it anyway because it's my personal responsibility because I made a commitment. This is what I'm responsible to do. That's maturity. And so you can, you can decide whether or not you can see this in your life or where you may not see this in your life, but, but that's a pretty good place to start when talking about maturity. Let me give you another one. Maturity is when you stop making excuses and start making changes. We talked about this a little bit in week two. You no longer come up with endless reasons why you can't or why now is not a good time or why you shouldn't or why it's not gonna make any difference. Uh, the older that you get, uh, sometimes you realize this, but certainly the more you grow up, the more you mature, you realize that small changes, small changes over a long period of time have big consequences to them. Small changes over time have big consequences to them. Uh, immature people, they want to do something one time and expect the whole world to change. They want to make one decision and expect everything to change. But when you get some maturity and, and you gain some mature perspective, you know that sometimes you have to make small changes, incremental changes over a long period of time 
before you actually see any results of the changes that you've made. That's maturity. Immature people begin to make some changes, and when they don't see, you know, reactions from those changes quick enough or consequences quick enough, they just abandon the changes and go back to what they were doing before. But this, this is what maturity looks like. Here's another definition I really like. To make mistakes is human. To stumble is commonplace. To be able to laugh at yourself, that's maturity. So let me help some of us out because I've told you before, one of the main reasons why you attend the Creek Church is because you're above average. You're probably an overachiever. Uh, you, you probably work harder and a little bit smarter than all of your peers. That's why you're here. I, I, I hate to say that, but that's why you're here. Uh, otherwise, you, you probably wouldn't be here today. But let me help some of you overachievers who are really good at being good. Uh, you're, you're, you're really used to getting things right and being successful. And, you know, you're pretty smart and you work hard. And let me help some of you out. You're not perfect. Do you know that? You're not perfect. And it's not a reasonable expectation for you to think that you are gonna be perfect. Matter of fact, while we're talking about it, it's not a reasonable expectation for any of us to expect perfection out of anybody else. So here's the idea. Stop beating yourself up when you fall short of a standard that you're not even capable of reaching. Why would you beat yourself up for not being perfect when it's not even in your capacity to be perfect? Failure is unavoidable for me, for you, for all of us. Matter of fact, at the end of the day, it's just a sign that we're human. So after we get over the immediate distress of, of what we've done or what we've said or what we didn't do, sooner or later, we got to be able to laugh about it. L laughing at what we've done or how we fell down or how we miss, you know, took a misstep. You know, I'm not talking about making a lot of it, but I'm talking about being able to laugh at some of the crazy things we've done because we don't take ourselves so seriously. Uh, laughing at yourself is a sign that you've not allowed negative emotions to control you. Um, negative emotions about your failure or about your past or, you know, about your regrets. Uh, it means that you don't get stuck in your failure. When you're able to laugh about your missteps and your mess ups, uh, it means that you, you, you've gotten unstuck from your failure. And until you can laugh at yourself, you'll never be able to forgive yourself. Um, to put it in the words of one of my favorite poets, Jimmy Buffett, he said, if we can't laugh, we'll just go crazy. We'll go insane. And that's the way it is. I mean, you got to learn to laugh at yourself. So some of you, maybe the only thing you need to hear today is you need to stop taking yourself so seriously. You, you need to loosen up a little bit and, and you need to be able to laugh at some of the crazy things you've done because you've moved past it. And, and now you're able to look back and see how you're a better, stronger person because of it. And here's another definition. Maturity is the ability to be right without the need to show that someone else is wrong. Well, that's like marriage 101 right there. I, I mean, every husband and wife, write that down right now. This, this may save your life. This, this is it. Maturity is when, hey, I, I, I know I'm right. I know I'm right, but I don't have to prove to you. I don't have to get you to acknowledge that you're wrong. Now, it's important to know what's right and to know what's wrong. But when you mature, you realize that, hey, I, I don't need to prove to you that you're wrong. I don't have to get you to admit it. I don't have to get you to the place that you realize that I'm right and willing to confess that I'm right and that you're wrong. I'm, I'm no one's policeman. I'm no one's moral compliance officer. So, you know, life's going to be better and healthier for me when I don't go around trying to get everybody who I think is wrong to admit that there's wrong. That's, that's maturity. Here, here's another one. Maturity is when your world expands and you realize that you're not the center of it. That's good. That's good too. All of this is so good. 
It's when you get to the place where you actually learn how to prefer other people over yourself. You learn how to put other people in front of your opinions, in front of your feelings, in front of your hurt, in front of your pain. You find a way, you find a way to choose to actively put someone else in the center rather than yourself. Now, this is not an easy thing to do. It's a difficult thing. Sometimes it's an excruciating thing to do. Sometimes it's a costly thing to do, to say, I'm gonna put everybody else in a place of greater importance than myself. It means I'm gonna get to a place of maturity where I don't expect and I don't actually enjoy when people make me the center. Now, it's okay to enjoy someone loving you or serving you or encouraging you, but I'm talking about when you enjoy it so much, you expect everybody to put you at the center of everything. And there's some people who do that. They're so immature. They're, they're so stuck somewhere along the way that they actually expect people to put them at the center of everything. Some people actually enjoy when other people make it all about them. They expect other people to make it all about them. Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, feel sorry for me. Hey, hey, talk to me, you didn't talk to me. Hey, I'm over here, look at me. You know, some people live their lives that way and it's not a healthy way and it's not a better way to live. Maturity gets us out of that. And maturity says, you know what? I'm just gonna live my life putting everybody else at the middle because everybody else at the middle is more important than me. Maturity is giving up on the things we want because we know we don't need them or they're not good for us. And that's important because we get past the place in life where we self-sabotage and, and we learn to prioritize the ultimate over the immediate. And we learn that sometimes pruning back is a way of actually moving forward. And we get to a place where we no longer tolerate what's unhealthy in our lives, whether it's a habit, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a tendency, whether it's a series of thoughts, whether it's an attitude, we just learn to prune those things away. We learn to let go of them because we, we realize I don't need that and it's not good for me. Maturity is coming to the realization of how many things don't require your comment. <laughs> Do you know when I think about it, it's quite humbling of the actual minute amount of people in this world who care about what I think. I mean, when you think about the whole world, <laughs> basically statistically, nobody cares about what I think. Nobody needs a comment from me. The world of social media is not sitting on their hands and waiting just in nervous energy thinking, will Trevor comment on this today? Will, will you speak, I mean, come on. I don't need to say very much of anything, although which is really concerning in the line of work that I'm in because I, I comment on lots of things, but I, I get to a place where, you know, I don't assume people care about what I think or, or what I have to say. Th that's maturity. Immature people think that everything they say is important and profound. But you live a little while and you grow up a whole lot and you realize, you know, very few things that I say are profound or life-changing. So I, I should probably not feel compelled to, to comment on so much. And here's the last one. Maturity is when you can stick with a job until it's finished. It's when you're able to bear an injustice without having to get even. It's when you're able to carry money without spending it. It's when you can fulfill your responsibility without being supervised. 
So I think those are pretty good. I think it kind of gives us a robust idea of what maturity may look like in a real practical sense because at the end of the day, I like, I like handlebars. I, I, like, I like steps. I, I like pictures. I like to have an understanding of, okay, if we're talking about maturity, what does this actually look like? And I think when you put all of this together, the big idea is maturity is going to make your life better. Maturity is going to make your life better. It won't make it easier, but it will make it better. Now, last week, we talked about how life is hard. It's brutal. It can kick you in the teeth. And it never gives you forewarning hardly when it does that. But life is hard. It's full of hard choices, full of hard circumstances, full of hard realities, unavoidable consequences of other people's choices that you have to deal with. I mean, life is just hard. But here's the thing we're going to talk about for the remainder of our time. Life is hard, but we don't have to make it harder. Life is hard, but we don't have to make it harder. Immaturity makes life harder. It complicates things that aren't complicated. It interjects drama unnecessarily into situations that do not need additional drama. Uh, Immaturity makes life harder because we self-sabotage, because we cling to things like resentfulness and unforgiveness and bitterness. Uh, That's why immaturity makes life harder. It's because when we're immature, we allow our emotions to control us rather than thoughtfulness to control us. And when you're controlled by your emotions rather than thoughtfulness, that's just gonna make things harder. It's not gonna make things better, it's just gonna make things harder. When we speak without thinking, which is what immaturity causes us to do, when we speak without thinking, nine times out of 10, it's not gonna make life better. It's gonna make life harder. When we refuse to be honest with ourselves, as difficult as it may be, when we refuse to confront the person in the mirror for as the person in the mirror truly is, when we refuse to be honest with ourselves, it makes life harder. So today I wanna talk about one thing that can help us, you know, that will enable us from making life harder than it actually has to be. And it's also the one thing that can propel us maybe faster than anything else in the direction of maturity. And it's wisdom. And wisdom is the skill to do life well. It's the skill to live life well. Uh, Last week, we kind of ended on the note of wisdom where James says, if any person lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give it freely without condemnation. And so I want to talk about wisdom because wisdom is the thing that will keep you from making life harder than it has to be. Wisdom is the thing that will keep me from making life harder than it has to be. It's hard, but sometimes we make it harder. I want you to listen to some words from Solomon, uh, the wise writer who wrote so many of the Proverbs. And I want you to listen to what he writes. He says, are you immature? Are you immature? And I think he probably wants us to stop and think about that question for a moment. Because this is something to think about. Are you immature? It's a, it's a question that's worthy of us to spend some time and thought on. We should probably pause before we go any further and just think for a moment. Am I immature? I don't, certainly don't want to admit that I'm immature. I, I, that would be really uncomfortable. And I'm naturally inclined to think that I'm not immature. And so my knee-jerk reaction is, no, of course not. I'm not immature. But I think Solomon would want us to stop for a moment. Are you immature? Am I immature? Now, think about how often you judge other people. Say, how do you know I judge other people? Because you're human, and that's what we kind of do. We size up people, and we make judgment calls on people. We observe people. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that if you were able to step out of your body, and you were able to watch you, 
and you would watch you over the course of a period of time. And not only could you watch you, but you also know what you were thinking. And so you're watching your thoughts, you're watching your actions, you're listening to your words, you're paying attention to your attitude, how you interact with people, how you respond to people. And let's just imagine that as you've stepped outside of your body and now you're watching you as though you were watching someone else, what would you think about you? What observations would you make about you? What judgments would you make about you? And I think that's what he wants us to do. As much as possible, step outside of yourself. Pay attention to yourself. Listen intently. Pay attention to your thoughts. Observe those actions, those decisions, those choices. Are you immature? If so, learn to be mature. Amen. Take the time, do the work, pay attention. Do whatever you have to do, learn to be mature. Choose maturity. And then he goes further, he says, are you foolish? Well, and I think he wants us to probably stop for a moment. Am I foolish? Okay, so I gotta step back outside of myself again. I gotta start paying attention to myself again. I gotta look at myself in the mirror and I gotta be honest with myself. Am I foolish? And then he says, if so, if you answer yes or maybe or partially, he says, learn to have some sense. <laughs> it sounds like one of our, our parents or grandparents. You, you need just to learn to have some sense. It's like, when you really think about it, it's a weird way to put it because, you know, how much sense do you have to have in order to learn to have sense? And do you have to have any sense at all in order to learn to have sense? I mean, I don't know. But, but obviously, Solomon was under the impression that, hey, if you're foolish, you just need to learn to think. You need to learn to have some, some sense about you. And here's what Solomon does. He links immaturity with foolishness. He links immaturity with a lack of wisdom. He, he equates this immature person, this person who lacks wisdom, who's a foolish person, he equates them as someone who doesn't know better, though they should, and someone who knows better, and it just doesn't make any difference. And, and the big idea is that immature fools make life harder. They make life harder than it has to be. Now, probably, if we're all honest, there have been times in our life where we've all been immature fools, and we've made life harder than it has to be. And so we don't want to repeat that, and we want to get better at that. And, and as you read through the Proverbs, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of, uh, of little nuggets or little truths, uh, principles that you can, you can glean and you can pick from to say, okay, well, what does, what, what does immature, you know, immaturity and foolishness, what does it look like you know, when it plays out in our lives? And let me just give some of these to you quickly, and remember, they're, they're, they're in your notes. Immature fools are talkative but not teachable. They talk a lot. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air out their own opinions. You ever met somebody like that? Solomon would say, that's an immature fool. Now, I wouldn't suggest that you go up to them and say, hey, you immature fool. I, I don't think that that's a way to win friends and influence people. But li listen to me. It takes maturity to acknowledge, and it takes even greater maturity to actually believe. I could be wrong. You could be right. It takes a lot of maturity to believe that. Hey, I could be wrong, you could be right. I may not know everything that I need to know about what we're talking about, but you actually may know more than what I do. So I should probably be quiet and listen. That's maturity. 
It's the immature fool who says, you know what? I don't even think about the prospect of being wrong. I don't even consider that you could be right and I could be wrong. I don't even consider the fact that you may have read more, you may have studied more, you may be in touch more about this. I don't even think about that. Immature fools, they just repeat what they heard on TV. They just repeat what they saw on YouTube. They just, they just repeat what they read somewhere. It's not necessarily things they've learned. It's just things they've heard. It's one thing to repeat something that you've learned, that you've researched. It's quite another thing just to repeat something that you've heard. It's the mature person who realizes, you know what, as long as I'm talking, I'm forfeiting an opportunity to learn something. Wow. Immature fools don't think like that. Talking and not learning makes life harder. Listen to this one. Immature fools, they speak before they think. That's kind of the same thing. There's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. Do you know that the scriptures say that words are like potential traps? So the idea is don't lay too many for yourself. It's hard to talk a lot and not get into trouble. And again, it's concerning when you do what I do. About 35,000 words a Sunday. Some of you are like, why don't you trim it back a little bit? It'd be good for all of us. <laughs> but you speak a lot of words, you, you, you're gonna get yourself into trouble. So no wonder James said, be quick to listen and be slow to speak. Don't be reactive with your words, be thoughtful. Say, how do I, how do I, how do I become thoughtful about my words? Well, consider the fallout of your words before you speak them. Think about how your words are gonna be heard from the person's perspective that you're speaking to. Think about what it's gonna to mean to them. Think about the fact that once you speak those words, you can't take them back. How many of us have got a long list of things that we spoke in the heat of anger, or we spoke you know, in a moment of great hurt and we spoke it and we would love to bring it back, but we can't bring it back. And before you say it, you better remind yourself that once it's out there, it's out there forever. Mature people remind themselves that, hey, everything I say should be true. But not everything true is something I should say. This is about wisdom. Just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it. Married people know all kinds of applications on this. Most of the time it happens moments just before you go out. How does this look? I mean, do I, am I as good looking as what I was when we first got together? Those are moments. Those are real opportunities for wisdom to kick in. Immature fools hurt others when they themselves get hurt. Amen. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. You know what? When you get hurt, when you get hurt deeply, when your heart gets wounded, do you know what the first impulse is? It's to want to fight. It's to want to hurt back. It's to want to get a one-up. It's wanna make sure that you're gonna to try to minimize your pain by causing somebody else pain. You wanna get even, you, you, you wanna get it off your chest, you wanna give them a piece of your mind, you wanna wound them like they've wounded you. You allow emotions to take control, and when that happens, it's dangerous. That's what immature fools do. They hurt others when they get hurt. They just, they give themselves over to the hurt. They give themselves over to the pain and to the rage. And when we do that, we make life harder. How about this one? Immature fools are easily offended and overly emotional. They just have no control over their emotions at all. They're quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. They're, they're able to manage their own emotions. 
Listen, when, when we lose control, life always gets more difficult. Immature fools, they trust their own limited perspective to their own detriment. They assume they see more than they see, that they understand more than they can understand. Those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom, they're safe. They're safe. Immature fools, they trust what they think they know, and it makes their life more difficult than it has to be. They think that what they feel is a reflection of reality, and what we feel, it's not always a reflection of reality. I think we've all been there, and I think we've all done that. We felt this, and then we just thought that this is the way it is, and this is the truth of the situation, and then we begin to respond to that, and other people begin to respond to that, and pretty soon what was no situation is now a situation, and what wasn't a circumstance is now a circumstance. It just makes life harder than it has to be. Immature fools ignore obvious warning signs. They keep on headed down a one-way street that says bridge out. They just keep on going. It's like they, they can play the tape out to the end. They know it's not going to end well, but they just keep on going. That makes life harder than it has to be. Immature fools make the same mistakes over and over again, just over and over again. That doesn't make life easier. It makes life harder. Immature fools are too lazy. I'm going to the next one. Are too lazy to do what they know needs to be done. They're just too lazy. They know, but they don't want to put in the work. They don't want to put in the time. They, they don't want to spend the time thinking about it. They don't want to spend time doing the hard work to get to the bottom of what may be the cause of this or, or where is this coming from. A sluggard's appetite's never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. There's other places in the Proverbs that says, hey, some people are so lazy they put their, they put their spoon in the soup, but they're too lazy to lift it out. It's like they've got everything they need to be mature, everything they need to be the person God wants them to be, but they just won't do anything with it. And, and so this is kind of the idea of immature fools. Immature fools make, makes life harder than it has to be. So now back to the text and listen to what Solomon says. He says, listen to my excellent words. All that I tell you is right. What I say is the truth. Lies are hateful to me. He says, I have no room for lies because they hold us back. They cause us to be captive. They undermine our progress. There, there's nothing good about lies. He goes on. He says, everything I say is true. Nothing is false or misleading. To those with insight, it's all clear. To the well-informed, it's plain. So choose my instruction instead of silver. Choose knowledge rather than finest gold. And, and so what we learn here in this next verse is it's not really Solomon speaking. Solomon's writing on behalf of wisdom, and he says, I am wisdom. This is advice that wisdom's giving. I am wisdom. I am better than jewels. Nothing you want can compare with me. In other words, wisdom says, if you're going to have me, it's going to cost you. It may cost you your way. It may cost you your words. It may cost you some habits or some desires or some relationships. You may have to give up the immediate for the ultimate. It may cost you, you know, the, the schedule you like to keep or your spending habits, or it, it may cost you how you like to eat or how you like to spend your mornings or your evenings or your weekends. If you're going to have wisdom, wisdom says it's going to be costly. It's going to cost you something. It's not free. It's not free. Now, when it comes to wisdom, Wisdom is theological and wisdom is practical. Wisdom is theological in the sense of, hey, I've got to have an understanding of what's true and what isn't. 
I've got to have an understanding of what God is like and what God isn't like. I've, I've got to understand some, some, some basic blocks of theology. Wisdom is knowing what's right, what's wrong, and what's neither. That's wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what's right, what's wrong, and what's neither right or wrong. It's just neutral. It just is. And so once you have, you know, some theology and you have wisdom in your theology, that, that theological wisdom flows down into a practical sense and it begins to change the way you think and the way you feel and what you do. And that makes it incredibly practical. Wisdom, I think, is knowing the best thing to do and knowing when to do it and how to do it. Based on your theology, based on the circumstance, the situation in front of you, wisdom is knowing the best thing to do. And not only the best thing to do, because sometimes you can know the best thing to do, but you don't know when to do it. And sometimes you can do the best thing at the wrong moment and, and it doesn't turn out so well. So you gotta know the best thing to do, you gotta know when to do it, and you gotta know how to do it. Because if you go about it the wrong way, you may undermine the results that you're looking for. So wisdom, wisdom helps us know, hey, this is the best thing to do, this is the best time to do it, and this is the best way to do it. That's wisdom, and we can all use that. And when we know the best thing to do, and we know when to do it and how to do it, let me tell you what that's gonna do. That's gonna make your life better. That's gonna keep me from making life harder than it has to be. So, I am wisdom, I am better than jewels. Nothing you want is to be compared with me. I am wisdom and I have insight. I have insight, I have knowledge and sound judgment. Insight is the ability to synthesize knowledge in order to understand complex interactions and complex relationships and complex situations. That's insight. It's the ability to see ahead of time, in real time, what is often only seen after the fact. That's the reason I love to say often that insight is better than hindsight every single time. You've heard people say, hindsight's 2020, hindsight's 2020. Let me tell you what, what wisdom does. Wisdom helps us have better vision ahead of time so that we don't have to look back and see clearly what we were blind to in the very beginning. That's insight. Insight helps us see how things are connected, how one choice is connected to another choice, and how one relationship is connected to another relationship. How one event is not isolated, it's actually connected to a series of events. That's, that's insight and how all of those things have consequences to them. And once we understand those interactions and those relationships, then we're able to predict outcomes before they actually happen. We're able to think through a decision before we actually make the decision and we're able to plot potential outcomes of that decision. That's insight. And then once we plot potential outcomes of a particular decision, then we are in a better situation of being able to actually choose the best decision. This is what wisdom does for us. It gives us insight. And then there's knowledge. Wisdom says you get me, you get insight. You get me, you get knowledge. That's understanding reality from non-reality. And it's just not knowing what's true. And it's just not knowing facts. But it's about understanding the meaning of those facts. So he says, just give me the facts. Well, that's a very incomplete way of thinking. Facts have meaning. And you have to have insight and you have to have knowledge to be able to synthesize the meaning of what's true and what's factual. The facts don't tell all the story. There's meanings and there's narratives and there's circumstances and nuance that's attached to those things. This is how we live life. 
And because sometimes we don't think about these things. We don't think about the potential outcome. We don't think about what does this mean. And because we don't think about what does this mean, we end up in some really unfortunate situations and unfortunate circumstances that makes our life harder than it has to be. And then wisdom says you get me, not only get insight, not only do you get knowledge, but you get sound judgment, which is just simply the ability to make good decisions. And that never hurt anybody. So it's like, who wouldn't want these things? Who wouldn't want insight ahead of time? Who wouldn't want knowledge to understand the meaning of all these things, of the facts that are in front of us? And who wouldn't want sound judgment? The writer goes on to say, common sense and success belong to me. <laughs> How many would agree? We live in a culture where a little common sense wouldn't hurt. Common sense among us, common sense among our leaders, common sense, just common sense. It's never a bad thing. It's common sense. You can't spend more than you make. Some people haven't figured that out yet. It's common sense that if you neglect the important people in your life, it's going to have consequences to it. There's going to become distance in between those meaningful relationships. There's a cause and effect. That's common sense. Common sense says that if you're not very friendly, you're not gonna have a lot of friends. That if you isolate yourself from people, you're not gonna have any people in your life. And you say, I don't want people. But one of these days, you're gonna need people. And when you need people, there's gonna be no one there because you took people out of the equation and you pulled back. That's common sense. Wisdom says, I'll give you common sense. I'll give you the strength that you need, the resolve that you need to do the things that you know you need to do. Those who listen to me will be happy because they've not made life harder than it has to be. They're, they're not living in a hell that they created themselves. Because if you've heard me say, I'm telling you, it's just it's stuck in my mind for like the last six months that the worst hell the worst hell in this life, it's the hell that we create and we have to deal with ourselves. There's no worse hell than knowing you're in hell and you are the cause of it. But people who live with wisdom, they're happy, not because everything's great, not because everything's grand, not because there's not troubles and difficulties, we know that's not the case, but they're happy because they're making the best of things. They're happy in the sense that they're not making things more difficult than they have to be. Amen. Those who find me find life and the Lord will be pleased with them. Those who do not find me, says wisdom, hurt themselves. So you live life without wisdom, you're only hurting yourself and you can't hurt yourself without hurting the people who love you. Anyone who hates me, wisdom says, loves death. This is genius. Wisdom says, if you don't love me enough to pursue me, if you don't love me enough to obtain me, if you don't love me enough to seek after me, if you don't love me, then you, you actually hate me. And if you hate wisdom, you love death because you're gonna be an immature fool. And immature fools only move in one direction. They move in the direction of things that hurt them and things that ultimately will kill them. So wisdom says, don't do that. Choose life. 
And the way that you choose life, the way that you choose a better life, the way that you choose an abundant life is to choose wisdom. Because wisdom will keep you from making life harder than it has to be. Life's hard, but let's not make it harder. Family's hard, but let's not make it harder. Marriage is hard, but let's not make it harder. Raising kids, it's hard, but let's not make it harder. Friendship, it's hard, but let's not make it harder. Managing money, it's hard, but let's not make it harder. Let's not make life harder than it has to be. So much of life in its difficulties, so much of it is us making it harder than it has to be. And wisdom says, you don't have to do that. Wisdom says, I cost a lot, but I'm worth it. And we know from the scriptures that wisdom, it comes to those who seek it and those who ask for it. Those who seek it and those who ask for it. We observe it in other people and we're like, hey, that's wisdom. I, I, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing some of that. We find a wise person and say, hey, I got a problem. I got something I don't know what to do about. I want you to listen and then I'm gonna be quiet and I want you to speak into my life. And you take that wisdom and you move forward. You seek it and you ask for it. You seek it and you ask for it. It's not something uber spiritual. It's not something that God took and, and hid and said, hey, go just try to find it the best you can. No, he put wisdom on the low shelf and said, all you gotta do is seek for it, seek it and ask for it. Seek it and ask for it. You seek it in the lives of people that you see have having wisdom. You ask for it from God. You read and you get wisdom. You listen and you get wisdom. You study the scriptures and you get wisdom. You look at history and you get wisdom. You look at your past failures and you get wisdom. You look at all the times where you made it harder than it has to be and you get wisdom and you move forward and you learn from it. That's maturity. And maturity is the fruit of wisdom. And the more wisdom that we have, the more maturity we will begin to enjoy. And you know what will happen? We will escape the shallows. We will move beyond the shallows to the deeper places. We'll move beyond the ropes and we'll move beyond the swimmies and we'll move beyond where it's just safe. We'll grow and we'll develop and we'll get hurt along the way and we'll cry along the way and we'll smile along the way and we'll laugh along the way. We will live life along the way, but we will escape the shallows. And we should escape the shallows because we were never meant to stay there to begin with. Amen. Never. So let's don't stay in the shallows. Let's shake off those places where we've gotten stuck in life. Let's get honest with ourselves. Let's get some wisdom so we don't make life harder than it has to be. Heavenly Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would just speak to us. God, we've been talking about this for four weeks and I pray that, Lord, some of these thoughts and some of these ideas that they've gotten lodged into our hearts and our way of thinking and, and we will come back to these ideas and come back to these truths and these principles 
And I pray that as we get ready to leave here in a few moments, I pray that we will commit ourselves to being people of wisdom that will seek it and ask for it. That God, we will resolve not to make our lives harder than it has to be. That we will get the wisdom that brings insight and knowledge and sound judgment that helps us know the, the best thing to do and when to do it and how to do it. And at the end of the day, we will be skillful at living life skillful in all the components that make up our life. So Father, give us wisdom. I pray for me, for us, give us wisdom, Lord. And may the fruit of it begin to be greater maturity as we leave the shallows and we go to the places yet undiscovered in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.